Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I grew up in a bribery-based household, and I run a bribery-based household, and we all turned out fine. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Jane said she would, She swore she would not bribe her children. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Come to the no-life side. It's really, <laughs> the water's fine. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Bound chicka bound bound, your life is over. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we thought we would talk about the mothers we swore we'd never be. We're full experts on this topic because one of us wrote a book on this topic. <laughs> this is literally the subtitle of my book. My my book is called When Did I Get Like This? And then the subtitle, because you know you have to have a really long subtitle that's like longer than your title. That's sort of well, I don't know hello. why that's the we're fashion. Called, we're called What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. <laughs> right. We do it here too. Let's right. not throw let's not throw stones from that glass house. <laughs> the model works. So we worked so long on that subtitle and the subtitle that we finally landed on, you know, with the publisher, like, yes, that's the one, is the screamer, the worrier, the dinosaur chicken nugget buyer, and other mothers I swore I'd never be. Do people still say, like, they wrote the book on da-da-da? Like, that used to be an expression. Like, <laughs> she wrote the book on da Like, you actually wrote the book on this. Yes. And what was interesting about it is when we would do interviews, the interviewer would definitely want to talk about dinosaur chicken nuggets a lot, as if that was sort of, like, pretty much what the book was about. <laughs> like, it's kind of just a throwaway mention. But I will uh, confess that I... That is that... that they, those were all true things for me. Those were all things I thought I wasn't going to do. And then I did them anyway. You have to be so careful when you... Tina Fey has a great joke about this where she talks about like when you're doing the comedy photo shoot, like you always have to be really careful. Like don't ever let them hand you like a rubber chicken because that <laughs> will be the photo they use. Like when you write an article or whatever, it's just anything you write, you're never sure that this is the thing of like, this is what you're going to be famous for. Right. I talk about this with photos. Like I have a list. I have thought about this. Like when I go missing... I've told my husband, like, you are in charge of the photos. Like, you know, don't the pool ID, like, don't let them use that photo where I just had to, like, run to the pool and get my pool ID done. And I had just come from the gym and, like, there's mascara running down one of my eyes. Like, when I go missing, don't let them use my pool ID photo. <laughs> our, our friend, I've thought a lot about this. You know who else has thought about that? Wendy Aarons, who's a very, very funny friend of ours. Her her website is wendyarons.com. Hilarious. She's on, you got to follow her on Twitter. I mean, she's, yeah. the, she's one of the best people on Twitter. She Wendy is Aarons. hilarious. Two Wendy A's. with an I. 
Yeah, Wendy with an eye, two A's. Wendy with an eye and two A's. And I often, Wendy and I are in an ongoing battle because we often write for the same places and the same sites. And I'm always the number one person. Like when you look up, like who writes for us? And it's like Margaret Abel's. I'm the first one because I'm AB. And then Wendy Aarons comes on and joins as a writer. And next thing you know, who's the number one person? Wendy Aarons. That's double A. And she's really funny. So it's really annoying. So she she um, put something on Twitter about like, you guys, when I when I disappear, can you just make sure that Dateline NBC uses this photo because it's the best one of me? And, yes. Dateline, and Dateline NBC wrote back and said, noted. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wendy, once again, Wendy has bested me again. I, my whole life is getting bested by Wendy Aarons. Uh, because exactly right. You've got to think about these things. Like got when it. you go missing, you don't want like, well, when Margaret and it's like, here comes my pool ID photo. And it's like, guys, come on. I'm already chained in a basement. Do I also have to suffer the indignity of the pool, pool ID photo? <laughs> oh, it's so true. Anyway, the, the, the you can plan for the uh, photo that they'll use in the Dateline NBC story about you, but you can't really plan for how motherhood is going to go. You just think you can. Yeah. And let me tell you, everyone does this. Everyone's guilty of when I'm a mom, I will never. And Mm -hmm. then boom, you become a mom and you're like, huh, that that didn't work out exactly the way I thought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we asked you guys on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast to tell us the mothers you swore you'd never be and turn out to be. And of course, you guys always come through with some hilarious tooth bombs. So... (laughs) This uh, let's start with Shayla because she and I uh, share this one. She says she wanted to be that mom that didn't allow the princess crap. I was certain when I was pregnant with my daughter that we were not going to be like one of those houses that had princess stuff any everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so if you if you listen to our episode fifty six, you heard us discussing princesses. If you must, and we went deep down this ra- particular rabbit hole. If you, the, the if you must thing is kind of like, yeah, you must. And, and, and Shayla says, and it's true, like somebody, she was she was going to keep the stuff out of the house. And in the end, like it, it doesn't matter. Let them have this phase. But it seems important ahead of time that your kid is going to be like the super cool, I don't know, like girl who loves dinosaurs instead, because that's awesome. Right. And then and then she says when, when her daughter was two, somebody gave her like a Cinderella book. The end. The end. Here she we go. She was deep in. She it's, was in the, in, the, in the mire. Yeah. I mean, you can, I guess you can be that parent who tells everybody, you know, it's Bella's birthday and please know that we only um, allow handcrafted toys in our home, nothing that was plastic or, you know, but you don't want to be that person, do you? You don't. I mean, I will say that my mother took a strong stand against Barbie dolls and we did not have Barbie dolls in the house growing up. My mom was like proto-feminist and she's like, I don't, I think Barbie dolls give the wrong image to girls and I don't want them. And we did not have them. I think that's, yeah. But second generation, we lost the battle. My my daughter has like nine, I just was upstairs cleaning her room and like the 96 nude tangled haired Barbie dolls are (laughs) up there in a bucket as we speak. (laughs) Flip side of this for us was guns. Didn't want guns in the house. Yes. Kind of thought we would have no guns in the house. And um, you mean, you mean, sorry, toy guns or toy guns, real guns? Toy okay. guns. Mm-hmm. We don't have real guns because my husband's like a really nerdy engineer and like we don't have guns in the house. But <laughs> we started out on a no guns, uh, no toy guns thing. And then, you know, you do, you do discover like my kids were just using throw pillows as 
guns like lightsabers you know they, they the yeah. the boys do have this let me let me hold a, a phallic symbol in my hand and threaten you with it like that's that is how well, they and just play something that shoots stuff is really fun yeah they like it and so now once i realized that i could get a good two hours off of like here's nerf guns anyway they are so funny i went from like oh this philosophical thing of no guns to like my kids now have nerf guns and one of them is literally called the brain saw and it's a saw it's a zombie theme. It's like a saw that you would use to saw the brain out of a zombie's head. And it's the brain saw. And it shoots things. And it's a giant, you can pull a thing and like this giant buzz saw thing goes around. And I'm like, yeah, that 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 slippery slope sure was slippery. Yeah, I swear I wasn't going to be that person. And we've kind of, we have the Nerf guns. Nobody's touching them anymore. Like we, we still own them. Oh, um, we're getting like a good two hours out of Nerf guns yeah. right now. A bunch of boys come over. Everybody, I just went on Amazon. I mean, again, this slippery slope, I was like, no guns. And I just went on Amazon. I'm like, okay, I can buy a thing of 500 bullets for X number of dollars. And yeah, like we're all in. We're all in on princesses. We're all in on guns. This brings me to Ariel. Not too many toys. Oh, a big one was I wouldn't have too many toys. Then the holidays and first birthday passed. And I started thinking about needing a bigger playroom. <laughs> right. You do. Yeah, I, I, I did think that I was going to sort of control and curate the mess. And I kind of did because we lived in an apartment. Like we don't, we don't, we don't have this sort of basement craziness. My sister-in-law has four kids and they have a toy room in their basement with no furniture in it. Just like, as you said, the 90 Barbies with tangled hair and like all the toys go in there and it's a total disaster area, but the kids don't care and she can close the door. So nobody cares. We don't have that option. So, uh, I did sort of curate as we went, but it, it takes a lot of time to. I I, I try. I stand. Uh, there are many battles I have given up, and many hills I've decided not to die on. But I still stand Cassandra-like against the wave of toys, and I, I lose it every time. But you know, it's like we have five grandparents, we have aunts and uncles, we have a lot of cousins, and Christmas morning is a pile of 45 presents, and I find it so upsetting and appalling, and I'm constantly trying to push back against it, but with limited success. And, you know, my son just had a birthday, and 18 kids come to the party because of cousins and inviting everyone in the class and whatnot, and I mean, the, the amount of presents and my kids are constantly like, can we just go on Amazon and get Joker's hair for my Lego that I lost? And we tend to do it. it the toys is a real problem. The, the unbelievable cavalcade of crud that just constantly flows in only for me to pack up and box and put on the curb for the big brothers, big sisters truck to come a cart away. I, I find that constant life cycle extremely depressing, but it's very hard to fight. I guess I, I didn't think ahead of time that I was going to be able, but you know, when I grew up as one of many kids, I guess. So I, I grew up around kids and knew that the, the onslaught would exist, but it's also worse and worse. Like our kids get more well, stuff. And this, we will be doing an episode on that <laughs> perhaps will be joyless and screed filled, but disposable world. Like I, I find the bet noir of my child rearing existence is the amount of garbage that we produce. Just, just, 
wears me down, man. All right. Well, we'll put that. We'll put that on the shelf because that is. <laughs> Look forward to that episode. You where keep I just saying screed against the disposable world. We've talked about this one, and Mark, it's like I really want to talk about that, but I don't know. That might be depressing, <laughs> and so we keep we keep so tabling depressing. it. We're putting it on the list. I guys. think You're we need to get it over to with. This screed about how everything just disposable world. Like, oh, I found these nineteen cute plastic things. Let me give them to you so that you can put them. You can clean them up for a year, and then I can move them to the curb for the big brothers and big sisters truck to take. Not much you can do about it. Oh, gosh. All right. I let's, fight the fight. I fight. I'm still in the fight. It's let's still move on. Mom, I swear I won't be. Yeah, Margaret's getting sad now, so we have to, we have to move on. <laughs> Please. So Jane, Jane said she, would, she swore she would not bribe her children. And then she has a little, she has a little um, uh, acting moment here that I'll try to act out. This is Jane pre-kids. Wisest woman on the planet voice. I will never bribe my children. <laughs> and then post-kids... Crazy voice. Margaret, why don't you give us your <laughs> crazy voice? I will give you this entire bag of Skittles to go pee-pee in the potty. Thanks, Jane, for the uh, for the little playlet for us to act out. And scene. What fresh health theater from Amy and Margaret? Kara says it's not uh, bribing, it's incentivizing. Kara's a genius and she has a lot of children. I sometimes accuse her on this podcast of having nine, but I think she only has like five or six. But She's very smart. It's incentivizing. I didn't have a strong feeling about this ahead of time, and I also don't think I do it that much. I feel like this one isn't isn't I'm a huge something briber, I do with. And let me tell you, I got no problem with it. Never I'm, swore not to be it. I'm all in. I love bribes. They work extremely well. Like be quiet during church, that kind of thing. Be quiet during church, and we'll go to Wendy's afterwards. Mm. If you take this Christmas photo. Every time we get a good one, I will give you a Skittle. Like, I, I, whatever it is, I basically have an entirely bribery-based system of parenting, and it's working for me. It's getting me through the days. Was that was that something you didn't think you were going to do or, or swore no. you wouldn't do? No. Yeah, I had no I, problem I think with this I, one. I, I grew up in a bribery-based household, and I run a bribery-based household, and we all turned out fine. <laughs> it was Barbie-free, but bribery-based. Barbie-free, but bribery-laden. <laughs> and let me tell you, don't worry about bribery. It works totally fine. Maybe not money. I'm fine with a Skittles-based um, bartering Yeah, we haven't gotten into candy. money yet. But isn't an allowance basically bribery-based <laughs> chores? I mean, I might be fine with money, too. I'm not going to I'm not gonna swear off on it. Mia says that she was never going to be the mom that had no life, which is an interesting thing to sort of tell herself ahead of time. She says no one ever really explained the full obligation and nuances of bedtime or a cost analysis of getting a babysitter versus things that would seem worth it. I think this is one of the great advantages of starting a family at 37 as I did. I was so ready to be done with that all. <laughs> like one of the main reasons I wanted to have children was so that when my friend called me and was like, do you want to come hear my band play? We start at 1030 p.m. at this club downtown. I could be like, I would love to, but I can't. <laughs> I just spent so much of my 20s and 30s, especially because I was artsy and, you know, working in the artistic field and had come up with a lot of artsy types. Like, my, we're doing an experimental version of Midsummer Night Stream set in outer space at a small theater in North Hollywood. The show starts at 9.45 p.m. I'm like, uh, having an excuse not to do anything ever again is one of the great joys of raising children. Yeah, yeah, There's you're a right. lot of downsides, but man, this one, woo, I love it. Mia I must love be, having no life. Mia must be a millennial mom because she. Yeah, she's Mia, like, I'm come old and tired. Come, come to the, come to the no life side. It's really <laughs> the water's fine. I wasn't worried about not having a life, but I was definitely focused on like nothing changing. Everything's the same. I, I remember I had um, lunch with my 
manager, like my acting manager, like 10 days after my second kid was born to be like, see, I'm fine. Like putting on, putting on like 13 spanks and going to have lunch with him and being really invested and seeming like ready for work and really well rested. And of course I'm, I'm sure it was clearly neither of those things. And uh, I wasn't fooling anybody that my world was different now that I had two little boys. Right. Well, my, a lot of my friends who had babies in their twenties, I definitely remember they'd be like, when we lived in LA, it's like, Oh, the hip hot new restaurant on the block. Like we'll just come with a baby and a baby carrier and have dinner. And you would be like, you're, you're kind of ruining this for us and yourself. Like go home and be with your baby and watch reruns of the West Wing. Like <laughs> that's where you are now. <laughs> There's no point in denying it. David and I took the kids to Disney world when they were two and three. And we didn't want to get a babysitter because we're like, who needs a babysitter? We'll just push them around in the double stroller till they fall asleep. And then we'll, I don't know why we didn't like stay in the room and order room service. We were, we were in Epcot at night, right? And we get, the, and they, they fall asleep in the double stroller. And the only restaurant we can get into is, I guess in France, there's some, you know, be our guest, Gaston's, like a fancy, fancy Francais restaurant. And we go in. For your sexy night out. We go in like with the double wide. And yeah, like there are definitely people who are like, this is my fancy, you know, I, I'm going to ask her to marry me here at Gaston's like it's you know for Disney World I guess kind of fancy it's high end and both our kids each like sat up like like Dracula in the coming out of the tomb you know like they just they, they sat up with a wild look in their eyes and we ended up with each of them on our laps trying to eat and like right. yeah like they're like I'm sorry were you trying to enjoy yourself no mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen you have children now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and you know here we were at Disney World which is also another kind of bonkers but we all do that I mean I don't know I came up with a group of like band leading you know actor smoking coolios who you know i think it so for some of them the transition was harder to this is to me the minivan argument people who were like i would never get a minivan and i'm yep. like guys the minivan it it doesn't even who cares like at this point you're a parent with children like the minivan is not the differential in whether or not you have kids like it's just a convenience at this right. point like people who think they're too cool for a minivan i i just am like Guys, you're missing the big picture here. The right. forest for the trees. Right. It's it's the cure for the disease you have, which is you are now an uncool mom of right. several small children. Being in denial about having the <laughs> disease is not helping anyone at this Nobody's going to think you're cooler because you don't have a minivan <laughs> no. when you have because you have that diaper bag over your shoulder everywhere you go. We my parents moved out of their house and gave us a lot of stuff and one of the things they gave us is this giant heavy mirror. Like it's a gigantic mirror and I'm like I said to my husband yesterday, I was like, we really have to figure out where that mirror is going to go. Like he's the, he, he's in charge of putting it up. And he's like, let's put it over our bed. And I was like, yeah, so we can watch ourselves watching West Wing reruns while we do Candy Crush on our phones. And he's like, <laughs> oh yeah. We were just having a hilarious like faux conversation about what role that would actually play. Boom, chicka, boom, boom. Boom, chicka, boom, boom. Your life is over. Catherine, that reminds me of something. We can move on to some of our sleep-related lines in the sand that were drawn and then and then quickly crossed. Catherine said that she was never going to co-sleep and she would still have relations with her husband all the time. And now she does co-sleep and not so much with that second part. <laughs> yeah, sorry, husband, but <laughs> there's a baby now. Yeah, I was big on not co-sleeping because I liked my sleep too much and I kept the baby in the room for eight weeks. And then once the baby didn't have to nurse all the time at night, the baby moved to a crib and it was just for me that 
sleeping was my priority. Yeah, I'm a really, really light sleeper. So I, I kind of need the baby in the crib down the hall or else like, yeah, I don't, I don't sleep yeah, at all. Same with me. I would just, I call it ear open. Like mm-hmm. if the baby's right next to you, it's like the baby goes, and then I'm awake for two hours and then mm-hmm. the baby's back asleep. And <laughs> yeah. so that was not working for me, but. <laughs> Wait, I need to hear that noise again. What noise does the baby make down the, the hall? Goes, and you're like, oh, great, great time to review all the things I did wrong in the last 13 years now that I'm wide awake. Yep, that that was me. Um, Brandy says that she swore that she would not sit with her children until they fell asleep. Ha ha, I'm sitting next to my children while they fall asleep as I write this. <laughs> yeah, that one is fine. It's, it, 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 but yeah, I mean, I think this, now we're in the realm of like the book, I call it, you know, like I read this in a book and so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my famous story with this is that the one thing I read in all the labor and delivery books was don't rush to the hospital the minute you have a labor pain because they'll just send you home. Right. You should be prepared to labor at home for 12 or 13 hours before going to the hospital. Yep. yep. I that, started. That, yeah, that, that happened to me. I and mean, they sent me home and yeah. I labored all night alone in the bathtub while my husband slept and then we went back to the hospital happened to my sister-in-law happened to a lot of people i know you go and you're like ah i'm in labor and they're like no you're not really go home Mm -hmm. so i started labor pains thank god my mother was with us at the apartment she was staying to wait for the baby to be born and i had also heard take a hot shower maybe so i started i got up and i was like oh i really don't feel well and i had heard hot a hot shower can help sort of move things along so i got in the hot shower by the time we got out of the hot shower i was like almost crawling to get out of the hot shower to my robe. And I was really not feeling well. And I was having really epic labor pains. And my mom said, I think you should go to the hospital. And my husband and I were both like, uh, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you don't seem to understand. The right. books all say we've not read a to book. Go. We've read a book and it's <laughs> you may have had four children, but I've read a yes. book about it. You may be from a two thousand year lineage of Irish peasant women who kind of understand how babies are born, but we read a book. We kept insisting, no, the book says don't go right away. And my mom really almost grabbed my husband by the lapels like a cartoon and picked him up and said, you better take her to the hospital right now. So kind of very eye-rollingly off we went like, oh, well, she'll find out. And anyway, I came very close to having the baby in the car and had the baby about six minutes after arriving at the hospital. And so my mom was really onto something there. Yeah. Listen to listen to your mom instead of the book, right? Do what works for you. Instead of listening to the book. I like what Kelly Kelly says about the sleep stuff, because this is really setting the bar very high. She said, I was never going to be the mom who co-slept or let my baby cry it out. I don't know what exactly I thought I would do, but those two extremes were definitely not going to happen. But as it turns out, I am slightly psychotic without sleep. So we ended up co-sleeping until six months. See, that kept for Kelly co-slept so she could sleep. And, and you and I are like, co-sleep means the end of sleep no sleep it depends on how sound asleep you are i think yeah and then she had and then she did the cry it out night so she ended up she ended up embracing both extremes that she swore she'd never do either one but yeah kelly i don't know i think you're damned if you do damned if you don't in this case with the baby sleep thing and in everything else you do you're always going to be having somebody tell you you're doing it wrong so best not to have too many preconceived notions Yeah, you got to just roll with the punches as it turns out. Sarah, I feel you. She says, I swore I would never yell like my mom did, but here we are three kids later and I have become my mom. And she has some people who agreed with her on Facebook. And, you know, I'm one of those two. I I, I like to say I'm a hollerer. Jennifer and Leanne were both yellers. Yeah. I didn't swear I wasn't going to do it. I don't thought, well, I did say in the subtitle of my book, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I, uh, <laughs> I do. I do. 
I will say, and we've done an episode on yelling, and uh, let me tell you, it's my Achilles heel as a parent, the yelling. I find it very hard not to yell. And I'm constantly resetting. And if you have problems with yelling, you should listen to our yelling episode because we have a lot of good advice there. But that's the kind of thing where as a 20-something, you see a mom in the park yelling at the kid and you're like, what's wrong with her? Who would Mm -hmm. ever yell like that? I remember when I was in my 20s and my brother and his wife had kids and we would go visit them. I was like, God, their car always smells really weird. And I just remember thinking like, what's wrong with them? That their car always smells so weird. And now I get my minivan. And I'm like, oh, there's that familiar weird smell that every <laughs> minivan basically has. What is it? Like old goldfish and somebody it's threw just up the last way year? Everyone, yeah, every, car, every kid car smells. Like mysterious smells that seem to be biological in origin, but really you're not exactly sure what they are. That's just the way a kid's car smells. Again, you, you can keep driving your like Mustang convertible and put a baby seat in the back and think you're still cool. But now your Mustang convertible smells like a minivan. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's over. And people think you're sad. I think people right. don't want to see a, 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 a mom or a dad driving a Mustang convertible with the car seat in the back. Like, oh, trying too hard. I'm sad now. That person's yeah, trying too hard. Yeah, like, if, if, you, if that's what makes you happy, if like holding on to that last vestige, let people think what they want. If it helps you, do it. But your car, it, it it's not going to still be a Mustang convertible. <laughs> I think that's a good place for us to take a break. That's good wisdom. Yeah, good wisdom to break Let's on. Let's leave on that wisdom that your Mustang convertible smells like kid feet. And it's just is what it is. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back with even more moms we swore would never be. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Seriously, every Facebook mom's group thread you have ever been on. Original mom. Hey, does anyone know what time pizza bingo starts at the rec center tonight? Comments unhelpfully, mom. No idea, but wow, sounds fun. Obvious suggestion, mom. Check for the flyer in your kid's backpack. Original mom. Yeah, I lost that, which is why I'm asking. Weirdly aggressive, mom. Yeah, duh. Do you think she would have posted it if she still had the flyer? Obvious suggestion, mom. Sorry, geez. Was just trying to help. Posts on every single thread ever, mom. Hi, guys. Hope everyone's doing great. We're not going to make pizza bingo this year. Brownie face. Disorganized mom. Wait, is this the same as the showing of Frozen for the kindergartners? My daughter wants to go to that. Original mom. Nope, not the same thing. Weirdly aggressive mom. Oh my god, that's not until next year. Permanently panicking mom. You guys, does the school have a preparedness plan in case of a North Korean invasion? We need to know. The I totally agree mom. I totally agree. The back in my day, mom. Back in my day, we spent our Friday nights kicking a can around in the street, and we loved it. The listen, mom. Listen, if my kids can't remember when they're due places, they don't go. Original mom. Yeah, still looking for a start time, if anyone happens to know. Off topic, mom. You know people who say their kids won't eat pizza? What is that? Children should eat what they're served. Way off topic, mom. I'm thinking of going gluten-free. Anyone tried it? Original mom. Good news, guys. I was able to get a hold of the rec center and confirm that pizza bingo is starting at 5.30. Random inspiration quote, mom. We need to teach the next generation of children from day one that they are responsible for their own lives. Disorganized mom. What event was this for? Amy, you know that I have picky eaters. Yes, I have found something that actually helps my picky eaters, and it is our sponsor for today's podcast, HelloFresh. Yeah, HelloFresh. I mean, I didn't really think my kids would eat some of the things we've had from HelloFresh, and guess what they did? HelloFresh sent us a bunch of copy, and we're going to try to hit the high points, but basically this is what I'm telling you. Last night, I made like a boneless pork 
with like a shallot pan saucy kind of reduction, couscous and like a salad. And they complained about the salad, but they ate the pork fine. I I doused ours really heavy because the sauce was delicious. I doused theirs a little bit less. And the couscous, I was like, it's kind of like pasta, kind of like rice, kind of like corn. And they were like, okay. And they ate a little bit of it. You know, they weren't like, oh my God, this is my favorite reduced pork dinner ever, but they ate it. Mm-hmm. Everyone ate the same thing at my table. Mm-hmm. And then, and now that's been grandfathered in. Yes. And that's the thing. Now it's like balsamic fig chicken. You've had that already. You're fine with it. It tastes fine. I will say a lot of ketchup is involved, which is not a HelloFresh ingredient, <laughs> but I don't care. Right. Douse it in ketchup, get it in your mouth. We're all eating the same thing. And my husband and I are having a genuinely delicious dinner. It takes a lot of motivation to plan what your family's going to have for dinner. And you do then tend to fall back on just the three things that you know will work and that everybody will eat. And that doesn't exactly foster exploration and broadening of palates. In the summertime too, it was 94 degrees last night. Yeah, I was at the pool with my kids and I'm like, I'm going to just do the $50 pool dinner of chicken fingers for all. And I thought, I have the HelloFresh at home. And I came home and it's like 20 minutes of cooking and the kids have a dinner that is not $50 chicken fingers. Yeah. I'm all in, guys. I'm all in on HelloFresh. They bring fresh ingredients, healthy recipes right to your doorstep. Each meal is pre-portioned, packed with all the ingredients. You open the bag, you cook for 20 minutes, you have a delicious dinner. Guys, what more can you ask for? I know what more they can ask for. What is it? $30 off their first week of HelloFresh. You're going to go to hellofresh.com forward slash mother 30, and then you're going to use the code mother 30. HelloFresh from what fresh hell? Come on, guys. Fresh hell, be fresh hell, hell, fresh. <laughs> Go check them out. Okay, we're back. And we are talking about even more moms we swore we'd never be. The food thing seems to be an area where a lot of us have um, extremely, um, perhaps unrealistic intentions ahead of time that that very quickly go the way of. Yeah. And not for some people. This is what always amazes me. Like I go to some people's house and they're like, oh, we're just having a fish eyes and, you know, (laughs) kiwi for a snack. And I'm like, wait, what? Like some people pull this off. Yeah. No, you can. Oh, I'm making a mushroom and spinach omelet for my eight year old for lunch. And I'm like, oh, I mean, some people really pull it off. Magdalena. I feel a little bit better about this because I feel like those are often people like I have a friend who's Spanish and her kids she like makes them, you know, like a cheese plate and, and um, you know, like some nice ham and, you know, some figs like oh. for after school. Right. And I'm like, here, just shove this bar in your mouth. Um, <laughs> but but Magdalena, she was she said this on on our uh, on our Facebook page. She is was raised by a Polish family and she says she swore she would never feed her kids like an American because her mom made every meal from scratch. But my kids are picky and they eat different things. And now I consider mac and cheese cooking and I rely heavily on chicken nuggets and I'm 10,000% fine with it. <laughs> Check out the Picky Eaters episode. Yes. We have a lot on this. That's, that's and number one, I stuff. think. It's, yeah, it's definitely one of the first three episodes. Picky eating is hard. And I think it is hard culturally too, that there's just everywhere you go, there's a kid's menu. It's always an option to get chicken fingers. I mean, you go to like Le Bernardin and they're like, oh, and here's some chicken fingers. Mm-hmm, like there's mm-hmm. no... There's this is it's it's hard to stay off of this track where you're like, and your choices are pizza, chicken fingers, burger, or grilled cheese. Yeah, and then you also get a lot of disapproval from people who don't have kids or who don't have picky eaters that somehow this is just you being lazy, like as opposed to I have a kid who 
will not eat, and then we'll all suffer the problems of a kid with low blood sugar, or can will eat, you know, three rolls and no and no dinner. It was much harder than I thought to be confronted with the whole like, well, they'll eat when they're hungry thing. Just didn't just didn't really uh, apply in real life when I tried it, and I wasn't. I wasn't ready yes, for that. Yes, and in some alternate reality, perhaps it would have. Like, perhaps if there were no other options, you lived somewhere where there were no kids' menus and stuff, it's, there's probably an alternate world in which some of those things would have worked a little bit better, but you don't live in that reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You live somewhere where, like, there's going to be chicken fingers on on the menu if you wait long enough. Like, right. It's hard. It's right. hard. It's, it's no different, I guess, from the toys. Like, I'm, we're, we're not going to have 11D pieces of plastic nonsense in our house. Yes, but you live in a world where that's the expectation that, that everybody yeah. gets 11D pieces of plastic nonsense. Right. So it's hard. You're, you're, you're literally like in a rushing stream and you can stand against it or you can kind of figure out how to make it work for you. Shannon says, I was never going to be the mom that cooked different meals for her kids than what she was eating. But now with two little ones who are both very picky, I have gone back and forth between let it go and standing my ground. We are finally seeing a feeding therapist and found out that it's a structural issue with my oldest. We're definitely going to let it go for a while until we get things figured out. I'm so relieved to finally have some answers. That's great, Shannon. I definitely wanted us. I felt like we were sliding into a range where I was going to be cooking possibly four meals a night. Like this one wants this, this one wants this. And that I realized was going to drive me crazy. And I took a big step back and I restood my ground and started cooking a meal. The key for me was one thing everyone liked within the meal. And then like for us, the can of biscuits was the saving grace. Cause like then everyone has something they know they're going to like, and they're kind of willing to try the other foods that worked well for us. But basically then we also have three nights. We have spaghetti and meat sauce night. We have McDonald's night. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm a little afraid to say it. And we usually get pizza one night. So like there's three nights where they love what's for dinner. And there's four nights where they're a little bit more experimenting. And I feel like it works out fine. It occurs to me that all of this is really just about letting go. These these mothers you swore you'd never be are probably the judgments that you've had before going into parenting. Like if you swore your kids were going to eat whatever was put in front of them, that means in the past you've been judgmental of parents who weren't that way. And I'm going to be different. I'm judging them. And then once you live through it, you have to sort of let go of, once you are a parent, you have to let go of caring what people think of your parenting sometimes when you yeah. have the kid and who wants to. it is hard. Yeah. The kid who wants to wear the, you know, princess tutu to the baseball tournament or whatever. You have, you have to let go of what will people think for your kid. Like, he look, look at Shannon here, whose kid has actually like a structural issue. You have to let go of the disapproving, you know, glance from somebody who doesn't matter. Not like your right. kid matters. Right. And like back in my day, kids didn't have structural issues. Like, yes, they did. But you just didn't know it. Back in your day, back in Schmur day. Like, go away. Back in Schmur day. I'm going to use <laughs> that's, that. That's my response. That's my witty <laughs> retort. Brandy said that she swore food would never be eaten in the living room, yet every Saturday morning it's toaster waffles in front of Barney. <laughs> well, you know that I have a strong line about this. I'm I big know. on containment. I don't let food... It's not true. My kids are allowed to eat in front of the TV on Friday nights when we get McDonald's. In general, I have kept a very, very hard line about food not leaving the kitchen. That being said, we recently... We were driving a minivan it was just about to hit 200,000 miles. My husband had made the calculation that we could not afford a new car. And then at some point when I broke down on the side of the Bronx River Parkway, taking five kids to the Bronx Zoo, I was like, can, what can't we afford? Like, can we afford a divorce or a murder trial when I get stuck again in this car? Like, let's talk about that. And then we were going to get it used. It's complicated. 
at the end of the day, we ended up getting a brand new minivan. It was so pristine and so clean. And my husband and I, of course, were like, we're no more eating in the minivan. Nothing's happening in minivan. Nothing. (laughs) One year later, let me tell you, that thing is destroyed. It's destroyed. (laughs) There's ground French fries in the carpets. I mean, it's just not practical. Not practical. Yeah. But you do, I I feel like that happens with every new car, right? Everybody, everybody's like, okay, yeah. nobody, nobody touches anything. So what I'm anything. saying, like, I hold a hard line on food. No food goes upstairs in our house. No food basically leaves the kitchen to go out of sight. Like, nobody's eating where I don't have an eye on them right now. But I, I wasn't so good on the minivan. <laughs> Should we move on to some baby stuff? Sure. Some some baby swear you never do? Baby swears is the biggest ones because you're reading the books. Right. Like you don't spend as much time reading a book about having an eight-year-old, but you spend like half your life because you've got all that time when you're pregnant reading the books. Right, right. Which are all, of course, the whole the whole reason to get you to spend $17.99 on the book is to tell you that there's a right way and a wrong way to do this thing and only this way is the right way. Let's start with Brandy because I love her closing line on the pacifier. Yeah, yeah. Pacifier will go away at one just like the bottle. No, two and a half year old is still sucking it strong. I was a child care provider for 15 years before I had my own. It's different when they don't go home. (laughs) I love that line because that's it. You know, like you see a five-year-old in a stroller and you're like, really? Why is a five-year-old riding in a stroller? It's different when they don't go home. Yes. It's different when they live in your house all day. I had a friend in my prenatal yoga class who was a pediatrician. And so we all, you know, we all had our babies around the same time. And so at least for a little while after our babies were born, we had, you know, we got together with our newborns and commiserated basically. But she at about six weeks in, I remember her saying like, I can't believe the advice that I have been giving parents for several years now. Like, just let them cry, whatever. The the things that she was telling these parents of newborns to do who are incredibly vulnerable positions, and she was giving them very judgmental hard lines and said, like, oh, God, I had no idea. I had no idea. It's different when it's not advice. they don't go home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kara said her child, she swore that her child would never use a bottle. Again, this is a pretty hard line that you're being told that you really have to hold if you're going to be a good mom. And then, of course, she didn't produce milk. And then she says, yes, I tried that. And that and that and that. <laughs> right. I would never judge you, Kara, for this, and but I but I understand the need that you have to to reassure us that yes, you did try really hard and it didn't work. And so then she, you know, used bottles. And there's nothing wrong with that except the the grief that I'm sure she got from many corners about that. And from yourself too. Like I feel like I had a problem with nursing as well, and um just like a low production problem. And pretty much right away I was like 50-50, I will breastfeeding in bottle and it worked out. It's fine. It worked out yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I, one thing I always like to say is like, can you tell? So like <laughs> if, if you took a 20-year-old, any group of 20-year-olds, can you tell who was breastfed and who was bottle fed? Well, they used to be used to say that, yes, the IQs would be higher and be different. And now that a new study came out saying not so much. These things are not, when you're in it, it seems like the be all and end all. It seems like such a big deal. And I just think probably not. Arielle also swore she wasn't going to use disposable diapers until she had a child. (laughs) She's a mad woman. She said her husband said, forget that. And then good for you, Arielle's husband, because that is really a tough line to hold. 
I've heard mixed things about disposable diapers and real diapers. And I mean, diapers are a problem, but I have a friend who she didn't use a diaper service. She actually like handmade cloth diapers and rinsed and washed them herself. And um, I mean, it's definitely better than disposable diapers, but better for the planet. Right. It didn't. And and that's not, and that's not nothing. Um, But, but better for your sanity. I I have to wonder my, my mom, a couple of my siblings, she used cloth diapers for, but even then, like if you went out to grandma's house and you have, you have a couple of disposable diapers. Yeah. Like she would never use them, but it was, I mean, I remember I, I was, I was old enough to help. And I mean, it's, it's a big undertaking. It's a lot. How about, how about the screens? Oh, screens. Go to our screen time episode as well. Ariel, no screen time before two was also a really big deal for me, but I realized I needed my cup of coffee in peace and quiet and screen time got that for me. Screen time is very powerful. And so it, it, when used judiciously, it's it's a wonder, right? My my friend Sarah says she swore she wasn't going to allow the iPad at the table. And then she wrote, ugh, which I guess <laughs> I'm going to take to mean. Oops, didn't quite work that the out. The iPad's at the table. She has a she has a two-year-old and she also has a newborn. And, you know, you do what you got to do to get through things. You do what you got to do. It doesn't have to be every day, right. all and the I time. I think like, yeah, all the time, not great. Did you see Jennifer? This is funny because you just were talking about a five-year-old in a stroller. You were just being... Judgy Judy about uh, about that. She says, I always thought it was crazy when I saw children that were obviously four or five years old still being pushed around in a stroller. Well, guess what? When mommy needs to shop, my little one is strapped in and playing with an iPad. So she's like, <laughs> that's right. Long this is hair, a first grader. Care. Yeah. <laughs> and the stroller is a good example of something that you look at and you're like, why is that giant kid in a stroller? And then you realize like, if you want to go to the zoo and you want to stay there for six hours... They're and so far. You have to walk like three quarters of a right. mile before you You're see like, an anteater and then like another right. three quarters of a mile before the lions. And if you want to go and see three animals and then have someone tell you they're exhausted and want to go home, like then don't use a stroller. But there's no shame in my game putting a five-year-old in a stroller. And I will bring it up right now, which is the leash. leash Did yeah. you have a leash? I, I definitely, uh, I, I would say, yeah. But, you know, as pre-kids, I would have been the mother who swore I wouldn't use that. And then I didn't I didn't use it, but I, I'm no longer judgmental of, of somebody who does. And I had a kid, I never used a leash, but I did have a kid who was a runner. Like he just was not, had a total lack of awareness. We would be playing at a playground and I would look up and he would be, a football field away. Just like never look back, off he went. I seriously considered the leash. And I used the stroller more as the leash. Like if we're going somewhere and you can't get lost, I strap you in. But you got to do what works for you and not worry about what people think about it. Yeah, that's that's right. I want to go to Alexandra because I like this one a lot. She grew up with a nervous... Uh, here's what, here, I'll say it how she says it. I grew up with a nervous, worried mother. I hated it. I am that mother. A nervous, pacing, scared mess when they're five minutes late. I am that mother. And this... I mean, I come from such a long line of anxious women. And I think this is a really hard one to break. But I think it's a great thing to take a look at. Like, I am a warrior by nature. I am a from a long line of warriors. But this is another one, like, you can fight it. You can fight it. I feel like it's probably good to know that you're doing it, right? Like, at least there's an awareness. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if her mom even knew she was a nervous, worried mess all the time. And I'm going to quote my mom, who was a warrior, and although nothing compared to her mother, the anxious bunny survives. Like, there is oh. anxiety has a role in life. And it can be damaging, difficult. It can be really bad, but it has a role. It's good to be alert. It's good to be aware. And I think the key thing 
is to acknowledge that you are an anxious and worried person. Anxiety, you know, everybody's heard the expression like having a child is like having your heart walking around outside your body. Like yep. suddenly, like every vulnerability and and thing you thought you were anxious for yourself, you've now let that the most scared, vulnerable part of yourself walk around without you. Like it's terribly, terribly anxiety producing naturally. And I remember having some like real postpartum anxiety and like this feeling of like, I actually can't do this. I can't have a human being that I have not enough control over walking. Like I'm not going to make it. And you have to make it. And I just, it's something that like I constantly, it's probably the central part of like my fight as a mom, like how to balance being a warrior with letting go of things I can't control. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of accept it on that level as a challenge, it's not going to be the mom you're not going to be. It's going to be always part of the mom you are being worried. Can you find a mom who's not a warrior? Like it's so essential to the job. But I think acknowledging it, and figuring out how to put structures around it so you can work against it is really important. And probably the first thing that needs to go so you can function, like when you when you are that person saying, I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, you you're going to do it. And the first thing you need to sort of throw overboard are the preconceived notions of I can't do it well unless these things happen. Um, you have to you have to let that stuff slide. For sure. And I can't do it well if I'm a warrior. Like, no, they're two, they're both okay. And I am the person who's a worried mom. That's 100% of moms. Yeah. That's everybody. It's part of the gig. And our friend Anne said that she went from latchkey to helicopter, WTFFFFF. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to be. And then suddenly, yeah. like, I mean, I talk a lot about, I tend to run, like, free-rangey, and I, I try to push people to let their kids have more freedom and let their kids have more space. And, you know, I often have people like, well, I let my kids, you know, I don't watch them. And they're like, well, you just wait till that minute where you lose your kid. And it's like, it's happened. I, the other day I sent my two boys walk into the car with my older son, my nine-year-old strict instructions, stay with the seven-year-old. I went, get to the car <laughs> 15 minutes later, nine-year-old is sitting there like just reading a book. And I said, well, where's your brother? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, wait, what do you mean you don't know? So I jump in the car and panicked. And it's like, this is the flip side of like, I'll just let them wander around. Like you're going to lose them a little bit. <laughs> and who knows where they are. And we found him five minutes later and some other mom had found him and was very sweet about it. But being worried does not negate letting them range free a little bit more. Feeling the need to be the helicopter instead of the latchkey, like fight against it, work against it. It's the it's the clamping down of, of any in any sense, don't clamp down on your kids. Don't clamp down on what you are and aren't allowed to do to parent them because what will so-and-so think like that, that all that stuff you need to widen out. Can we, can we close with what Kelly said? I love this. She said, now I hope I am the mom who never says never because you, yeah, you don't, you don't know what challenge is going to come next. That's going to force you to reconsider the things you think you need to do. Just you, you serve your kids, you serve the moment and you embrace the, embrace the, uh, the difficulties without making it harder on yourself by deciding you have to do things a certain way or else you're not good enough. I like to say like, don't hold it so tightly. Like mm -hmm. you, you're the enemy of 
maternal happiness, I think, is the illusion that you can control things. Like, may, there's so many variables. Instead of like, this is the mom I'll never be. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be perfect. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to hover. I'm not going to co-sleep. I'm not going to feed them nuggets. Like, let it go and figure out, like, what's the next best step to happiness for me and my kids? Because what that's, that yeah, like? and, that, and that is good parenting, right? That you, right. Have, you have to you have to let these things go in order to become the parent you were supposed to be. And right, so and maybe good. the next best step is something that you thought you'd never do. But if it's the next best step to a happier couple of minutes, day, life, month, you got to take it and just let go of like what you thought it would be. Well said. Thank you. I, we definitely solved this one. Yeah, that's right. That's solved. Right. <laughs> solved. People put it in the record books. Well, we want to keep hearing about the mothers you swore we'd never be. Come to our Facebook page and see what people are already talking about at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hell. And we'll continue to the discussion there about moms we thought we'd never be. And on Instagram at what fresh hell cast and on Twitter at WFH podcast. And we want to say a welcome to all of our new listeners. We've got a ton of new listeners recently and welcome to the show. And please, if you're in enjoying the show, review us on iTunes and share these episodes on Facebook, on Instagram, whenever, wherever you are on social media, because it helps us find even more new listeners, which is what we're after. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.